Welcome back to the Broken Poets Yobcast from December 12th, 2022. Featuring poet Danielle Gasparo leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 144 Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights and live streamed via Zoom. For more information and to sign up for the Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Derek Stays, Luis Valles, Stella Lee, Colleen Riley. Han Boomenlag, Ashley Gendron, Hayden Park, Julie Hoffman, Kiara DeLalo, Mark Weissman, Lindsay Abrams, Hunter Hodkinson, Nick B, Arthur Russell, Sarah Lynn Rogers, and last but not least, Jess Gagne, our new intern. Okay, let's get right to the action. It's the last Yop of the year and the last Yopcast of the year. Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for December. Enjoy. Okay, folks, we are going to get started with the open mic. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for that. I was telling myself internally. I'm glad you walked up here, Danielle, because I was about to forget again. No, no, you can, you can go back. I don't need you yet, but I'm glad you did because I was about to forget again that we start with our featured reader, not the open. I don't know if anyone here last time, that was the first time in 8,000 yops that I forgot the featured reader is supposed to go first. But uh, we are excited for our final yop open mic of the year. Um, but... Lest you get too depressed with all the finality, uh, this is the final yop of the year, but the first of the poem of the year. I'm trying to think of the word. <laughs> the, the poem of the year bracket, is that what she call it? Yeah. I like bracket better, but I hear cycle. Cycle, bracket, whatever. <laughs> so if you've never been to the yop before, at every yop open mic, uh, we vote for poem of the month. Uh, it's based on audience vote, and I'm going to give you the number right now to text if you want to vote for Poem of the Month. It is the Brooklyn Poets phone number as well. It is 718-374-1953. I'll repeat that a few times throughout the night. 718-374-1953. Or if you're feeling anxious and you just want to know at some point while someone's reading, you just Google Brooklyn Poets, you'll find the phone number. That's the fits a cell phone, so you can text the poet's name. I ask that you wait until the end of the open mic to vote. So every month we vote for Yacht Poem of the Month. The winner wins a Brooklyn Poets tote bag. All of the finalists from this year have not gotten their <laughs> I think two of them have gotten their tote bags because we've, people cleaned out our tote bags, including my mom. My mom came here for the first time, first time and bought like 10 tote bags. I was like, that's amazing, Mom, but now we have none <laughs> for the Yacht Poem of the Month winners, so that they all have to wait. But you win a, a tote bag, and you get a spot in the Poem of the Year contest, which I know many of you attended. That was on December 3rd. That's, so that will be next December. But um, because that event is December, we need to start the clock in the previous December. So this is the first of the 12 
spots being decided tonight for the Poem of the Year contest in 2023. We also record uh, the Yop Open Mic as a podcast. It's called the Yopcast. You can subscribe to it on iTunes and rate us five stars. I think we're still at like 39. We still have not gotten to... F- we still have not gotten to 40. I'm waiting for someone to get us to the 40th fifth star review. It could be you tonight. In fact, you could, you could do it literally right now on your phone. You don't even have to wait until after the event is over. Uh, if you don't want to be in the recording, you don't have to be. Uh, you can tell me afterward. You can just strike you from the recording. That's cool. Uh, if you are reading tonight and you, you didn't register in advance it's just the question is like i need to have your email in case you win (laughs) because that's the only way i can contact you so if you didn't get a ticket in advance and you're reading tonight if you if you signed up and gave me your name at the door you should uh, before you leave you should give me your email as well just so i know how to contact you in the event that you win okay uh we are on to the open mic but in fact i've just remembered that before we get to the open mic proper we're going to hear from our featured reader which is danielle gasparo so give it up for danielle Thank you again to all the workshop participants. I forgot to tell you that Leonard Cohen's whole thing about being um, the greatest writer of all time, he says you're just basically standing in front of your refrigerator in your underpants trying to rhyme the word orange. But he said that the best he did was door hinge, which I thought was actually kind of badass, yeah. (laughs) So maybe that'll be a prompt for another job. So uh, those of you who weren't here, the central theme or focus of the uh, workshop tonight was um, the notion that the more personal, the more universal. The more personal the expression, the more universal the reach. So I selected one poem to read tonight. It's longer than short, but it's not epic. Um, and it's a sort of a hat tip to that concept, I hope. And I do want to mention that form is content, right? And what I'm going to do, because on the right side of the page in gray font, um, I'll, I'll reveal who the, who's saying these words in a second, but I'm going to go like this when I'm reading those words, okay, so that you can clearly think of if, as if you were reading it down the page, you would know. Okay, all right, here we go. That said, Buttermilk Falls In, voted best place for a wedding in the woods. <laughs> Nobody can counsel and help you. Nobody. Rainer Maria Rilke, from Letters to a Young Poet, 1929. Setting shit up, hardcore. That's what two people in the bit of hillside distance from this overpriced outdoor brunch spot are doing. White wooden folding chairs lined up tight. One, two, three, four, twelve it is. And here comes the trellis. Noun, tall twiggy archway, latticed with high-end artificial branches and bristlecone pine. Wait, is that the soon-to-be yet another most adorable flower girl in the world ever? Will this day be a big hit? So much to pretend to not ponder. You ask whether your verses are good. You send them to magazines. You compare them with other poems. You're disturbed when certain editors reject your efforts. I beg you, give up all that. You are looking outward. 
Meanwhile, this deck chair wobbles, its stitching ripped, and I'm filled to the midlife brim with had enough and what the fuck fabricated custom-made conifers frame that threshold, and I'm here kicking it with real K. Letters untethered. Draw near to nature. Ask yourself, in the stillest hour of your night, must I write? Here's a question. Pancakes or skillet scramble? Elementary, my dear, five o'clock in Paris, that's high noon wine in Poughkeepsie, as I scribble and await the voted best dish in this artsy-fartsy bar meets bistro. Hello, thoughts. We are gathered here today to witness. Save yourself from general themes. Seek those which your own everyday life offers. The exhausting merging of once four, now three lives. To have and to hold the tension with a mother who cannot let go, who doesn't know growth, who will never know sober. Describe your sorrows and desires, passing thoughts, and the belief in some sort of beauty. An autistic son deserves better, my brother is worthy of, capable of, some version of this day, some piece of his voted best pie, his and only his version. What would it be? A pony ride? A pedicure? Sure. Why not? More to the point, Sean is 50. What happens if you die tomorrow or tonight? What if both of us die? Right now, where would he live? What would he do? How would he get by the by? Here comes the guitarist, pianist, cellist, singer on a break. Everyone at one table. What a small spot they're allotted. That's right, preach it, fellow sleeve-rolling dreamers. Wherever you blah, blah, go, there you are, what you eat at Joe's. It's nothing to write home about, but oh, these eggs, though. Fluff meets flavor perfection with notes of longing. And as I place, as I place, a sugar packet under the leg of this table for two. <laughs> and if out of this turning inward verses come, it will not occur to you to ask whether they are good. You will see in them your natural possession, a fragment and voice of your life. Dear mild psoriasis and diverticulitis, where is the man of my blazing waking life? I propose that duck in that row in that pond's got to know. So many guests gathering now across the lawn, the lot of them stirring, no milling, no being milled, and I know, I know. It's not for that duck in that pond to tell. Well, fuck you, duck, fuck you, row. Fuck you, crisp, fresh, autumn tide, wedding perfection. No witness to my marriage to this chair has arrived. No one objects to truth with capital T. And I hereby take you burdens to be my greatness. Make no mistake, make lots of mistakes. Dance yourself into the answers to the questions and the cracks and the everything. There is blood on the tracks and the train and the trellis, so yes. Yes, Rilke, roger that. Dear John, dear Abby, dear mom, dear, I know no advice save this. Go into yourself, 
Test the deeps in which your life takes rise. Perhaps it will turn out you are called to be an artist. Take that destiny upon yourself and bear it. The creator must be a world for themselves and find everything in that world and in nature. Dear Pine, thank you for coming. You cannot be seated. You are tall. You are now in the woods all around me. I vote you best place for, of, at, around, above, beneath, despite, amidst, towards, to be. That is what you are, and this, my within, my ask myself, my must, is what I do. <laughs> Thank you for the honor, Jason. Okay, thank you. One more round of applause for our featured reader, Daniel Gaspar. So uh, I have been to the Buttermilk Falls Inn. I have, I have so been there. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's before I moved to Beacon. I was like, yeah, it's like if something is called Buttermilk Falls Inn, I am so fucking there. <laughs> gonna get a massage. Gonna get some. Great brunch food. I think I had some like really nice salmon there or something. I can't. I can't really remember, but it's all a. It's all like a drunken fog in my memory. <laughs> uh, man, Rilke's letters to a young poet. Good shit, right? I'm sure that's. He would love that blurb. Good shit. Jason Koo said Rilke's letters to a young poet were good shit, but uh, they really are. I highly recommend them if you haven't read them yet. Um, you should. <laughs> Sounds like a good weekend, staying the Buttermilk Falls in and reading Rilke. Yeah, you could do worse if you uh, treat yourself. Okay, uh, we are on to the open mic. There are, is this, I think this is the first time I've ever seen this at the Yelp. We've been doing this for, t for 10 years. The first three spots are, well, the first two spots are blank, and then there's a name. Oh, that's what, that was just, okay. Yeah, the first three spots are blank. So I'm um, sorry to say, Derek, who signed up for the fourth spot, you are actually first. <laughs> So give it up for Derek Stays. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm sorry, I thought I had more time. Um, but, um, I, uh, I'm kind of debating between two poems, so I'm going to just go with, she said, the more personal, the more universal. I, um, I wrote this one. Uh, it's called, like, Father, Lord, Son. I never performed it in front of people, so it's, it's emotional, so please bear with me. For what it's worth, I finally understand why you ran. The hardest thing I had to do in life was stand up and be a man. Even though I won't front, I can't imagine me turning my back on my fam, but at the time, your shoes wasn't my size, so I couldn't tell you or judge you for how you walked in them. I just hope your, your mistakes aren't robbing you of your rest. 
and you're not waking up every day living with regrets, if it's any weight off your chest, I know you tried your best, and for this, I still love you on your worst day. I still could use your advice in the worst way. These words are just coming from an empty and hurt place, so all I could say is I forgive you and I miss you, and happy birthday. Thank you. I'm glad it worked out that way, Derek. That was beautiful. That was an amazing way to start. Thank you for your poem. And you look great. I love that jacket. I might, I might try to steal it if, if it was easy to steal a jacket off a person. <laughs> I don't think that it is. But uh, who knows? Uh, our next reader, is it Luis Valles? Or Valles? Valles. Luis Valles. Everyone give it up for Luis. with the, the father themes and we this year we had a lot of loss in my family and my grandfather included and I wrote this um, about that experience I hope my silence will say the things I can no longer say my dad bends softly over my grandfather and speaks to him so gently for someone so urgently restless, doing, always doing. His eyes are tired. Everyone is tired in that house. How do you love along the way when you feel everything slipping away? I try to make a memory out of every move you make. How many will I hold before I hear the scraping of your chair when your knees fail to carry you any farther like they once carried me from womb to where I've come to be. When I sat by his bed, I saw how his fingers closed into the curve of his nails, his skin translucent smooth and gnarled like bark. I held your hand in mine just to hear you breathe, heavy and forced, then silent, too silent for too long. Is this what it sounds like? when life sputters out, unfair and wrong after so long a life of faithful effort. The echo of our first breath finally fades, quivering and labored, like the last spoonful that scrapes the bottom of the jar. In the hollow, the wind whistles through. Father of my father, I know one day I will be you. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Louise. Beautiful poems to start, man. I'm just, I'm 
I'm already getting chills. Um, got a beautiful voice too. But do you sing too? I feel like you could be a, <laughs> a good singer. Uh, or my daughter's having trouble sleeping. You should just record your voice for her. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll help her go back to sleep when she wakes up at 3 a.m. Our next reader who bumped herself up the list because uh, she's got to leave early, uh, the one and only Stella Lee. Give it up for Stella. So, this poem's about motherhood. Three versions of my heart live outside of me. Prickly, soft, and curious. They roll around from these streets get dirt stuck at the back of their necks, cry too loud, laugh too often, have the tender side exposed too long in the sun. Too long in the cold, these pieces of me, sides I let go so many years ago, sides I never knew could be in this world, in this time, in this space. Three emerge from the holes cut into my body, the folds of softness sliced open, blood washed out by air and light, the darker parts of me, smooth and slippery, spilled out a tiny part of me. Cut and snipped and stitched out, these versions of me pour over the sidewalks, let their supple souls learn the beat of concrete, stain their fingers with grimy city, still unbroken, these renditions bounce climb, let their limbs loose, breathe freely, like this small act of pulling in air and accepting this world is all its shattered, in all its shattered versions, is the bravest thing I could do. So I let my heart live scarless in all its candor. Thank you. Beautiful work, as always. Stella Lee, our 2022 Robin Romeo Award winner. Let's give her a round of applause as she exits. A big, dramatic exit to applause. Well done, poet. That's how you leave a room. Our next reader off the open mic list is Colleen Riley. Give it up for Colleen. plenty of personal poems, but the one I picked to read tonight is, I would say, maybe less personal, so hopefully it's collective. Well, maybe it's personal. I don't need to give so much. All right, here we go. Uh, this is a poem about red. About red. What happened to red? The color that left us dripping and knowing? One that defies purity, holds sex, and our bodies fluid? What happened when we died and spilt blood on altars and sacrificed heads? Just streaks of cursed petals through stone. Is red a color of lust, shame, or holy name? Holy as in all things rich, in matter, in life. <laughs> Anything but gold or white. All messed up red. All apple skin sweetness, all cherry tarku, all lipstick stained on her teeth, or even the way her nipples shine in sunlight. All of it red. The way you need a horse to carry you to the car 
to the plane and fly so far until your eyes red rim from your cousin's bong? Or was that your friend, that red cheek drunk on the subway line? The way a bush boasted red roses in the park in November, or red walls, or red wars, or red flags? There is nothing ordinary about red. What happened to red, the color that left us dripping and knowing, one that defies purity, holds sex in our body's fluid? What happened when we died and spilled blood on altars and sacrificed heads, just streaks of cursed petals through stone? Is red a color of lust, shame, or holy name? Holy as in all things rich in matter and life, anything but gold or white, all messed up Red, all apple skin sweetness, all cherry tarku, all lipstick stain on her teeth, or even the way her nipples shine in sunlight. All of it red. The way you need a horse to carry you to the car, to the plane, and fly so far until your eyes red rim from your cousin's bonger. Was that your friend? That red cheek drunk on the subway line. The way a bush posted red roses in the park in November, or red walls, or red wars, or red flags. There is nothing ordinary about red. Wow, thank you. I don't think I've ever heard a poem like that, but that was kind of incredible. I kept thinking she can't go faster than this, and then, and then she went faster, and she never tripped on her words. Uh, I didn't know red was so important to, to people, <laughs> or at least to Colleen. Uh, okay, I'm going to think more about red after tonight. Uh, our next reader, if I can read your handwriting, is it, is it Han Boomenlog? Yeah. Han Boomenlog, give it up for Han. guys know Christina Yuna Lee, um, but she was, unfortunately, she was, she was murdered in her apartment earlier this year in Chinatown, and a few months after that, the Eli Klein Gallery did an exhibit dedicated to her. She used to work there, um, and I don't know. I think about her a lot, so this is a poem I wrote about her, or for her, really. Um, Christina, I should have brought you flowers. I told myself I'd come back and bring you some. I made myself swear, but I'm not sure if we can come, promise to come back to places anymore. I'm not sure if we can lock the door behind us when we get home. All I can think to do is come out of Grand Street Station in silence, quiet my brain for you. Sometimes I see someone as quiet and solemn as me, and I know that they are thinking of you too. I know that they are staring at the tree trunk with your beautiful face on it and wondering how this could have happened and then scolding themselves for being surprised. I know that there are others like me who cried at the gallery they made for you, who sobbed at the altar and on the pier and at H Mart and on the one train as it passed over the Upper West Side on the ride home. At night and in the middle of the day, I wonder if it will be my turn soon. I wonder if my empty apartment will be my coffin, if I am attending my own funeral. I wonder if someone else will sob at my altar and on the pier and at H Mart and on the one train. I wonder if my face will adorn the tree trunk outside of my window in Harlem, the one that reminds us what season it is, that things change. I wonder if solemn people will quiet their brains for me as they walk down my street. I wonder all of these things because you taught me to. Sometimes I feel guilty because I get so caught up with all of that thinking, all of that thinking of me. I want you to know that above all else and amidst it all, Christina, I wonder how best to live my life after you, to honor you, remember you. 
I promise to remember you. Okay. Thank you so much, Ann. Beautiful poem, beautiful tribute. Um, I'm loving these poems so far. A lot of Yop debuters, yes? That's your first time here, right? Yeah. Uh, Derek, your first time? Luis? Yeah? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> oh, you read before. Really? Oh, okay. I see. I see. That still counts. <laughs> Colleen, first time, right? Where's Colleen? Yes. Okay. I love it. All these newcomers. Uh, our next poet, I can't remember if you're a newcomer or not. Give it up for, is it Ashley Gen Gendron or Gendron? Say it louder. Gender, Ashley Gendron, everyone. Give it up for Ashley. Hello. Um, you were right. It is my first time reading. This is my first time doing anything like this, so please bear with me. <laughs> this poem about a month ago. Um, it's about the things that we cling to to make life more bearable, even though those things may be fleeting. It's called Snow in the Trailer Park. Sayward solace, saw in snow, mother makes mundane unknown. Fickle facade, face to face, pander on to pin in place. Our melted mask in minutes mourned, when sewer slush the streets adorn. Withered wishes wash away, as growing girls turn sitting prey for heathens hiding hell at home. But with the snow, you'd never know. Thank you. All right, thank you, Ashley. That was short and sweet. I couldn't even get my mask back on. <laughs> um, okay, well, we've got a lot of Yop debuters. I love it. Um, I believe the next person is also a debuter. Is it Hayden Park? Is that right? Give it up for Hayden Park, everyone. This is New York Taught Me, and it's for my younger self. Flow through the chaos we call life with calm and harmony. Self-preservation because, darling, I'm sapped from giving myself to people who weren't deserving or needed to know. Life is beautiful if you look in the right direction and accept the other while suspending judgment. Everyone is a unique canvas and you don't know what painted it, who, when, where, the context, background information, history, only your distinct perception, a personal lens, approximately 50 millimeters, clear, but possibly scratched or even shattered, so do your best to accept people for who they are. There's wisdom in the shadows and parallels are everywhere between past and present, upside and upside down, right and left, horizontal and vertical. Lean in to love myself, my fears, all of the uncertainty, creativity, spontaneity, sensations new and old. Life is wave reflections of vibes, light, sound, and color bouncing off one another. 
There's a lot to learn through listening. It is what it is. It is what it isn't. C'est la vie. Keep calm and keep moving forward. Okay, it is what it isn't. It never occurred to me that <laughs> could could also be that it is what it is, and it is what it isn't. Uh, suddenly that line "fuck the duck" came back into my head. I I have no idea why. Thank you for putting it there, Danielle. <laughs> uh, our next reader of the evening is Julie Hoffman. Give it up for Julie. but I sometimes have ideas for poetry in my sleep, you know, while I'm sleeping. And if I don't write it down, then I lose it. So a line came to me. And so. this, is, this is The Bones. So you say you have skeletons in your closet. Well, dear, I have an entire graveyard of skeletons in mine and bones, miscellaneous bones, bones of all sorts, from creatures large and small, bones that have creeped and crawled and shivered and hid under the shadow of the moonlight, bones that were defeated and shamed and scolded, bones of unrequited love that lingered for way too long. Bones that were crushed into fine dust to cover the surface of the floor. Bones, many bones. Bones that hid the truth from others. What do we say to bones? When do we stare into the mirror and accept all that really is? My bones are crammed into the closet so tightly that if one would open the door, they would fall out like an avalanche onto the unfortunate soul who opened it, blanketing them like the chalky, white, and heavy burden that they are. But the great irony, my dear, is that I, and I alone and at that moment, would forever be released, released and absolved of it all, released and absolved. Thank you. Wait, so did that whole poem come to you in your sleep? <laughs> I was going to say, that's not fair. Uh, did you like wake up and you're like, where's my notebook? And then you, and you so I've done that before. And like, by the time I get to my notebook, I'm like, what was it again? <laughs> and I have like three of the words that I thought. I was like, that was my best line ever. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's gone. Uh, do you need something? Oh, I'm just to oh, you can, yes. I'll talk to you after. <laughs> I, just, I was just fucking with you. I was trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> can it wait? Our next reader is my friend from Beacon, Kiara DeLalo. Give it up for Kiara. Let alone 
the person who signs up first, or fourth, and ends up first. Hi, everyone. I'm Chiara Delello, and I think I just decided what I want to read tonight. Um, but I'm a little nervous about it, so here we go. Never say that I don't take risks. Um, so I'm a big fan of eco-poetics. Um, I love Alison Cobb's collection, Greenwood, and also um, Catherine Pierce, or Katie Pierce, um, who wrote a book called Danger Days. And I'm always interested in what comes into writing an eco-poetics poem or collection, just sort of this sense of like place and how we relate to nature. And um, this kind of started out as an eco-poetics poem, but it actually ended up being like a grief slash father poem. So I was very surprised by what came out here, not least of which is um, William Shatner is in this poem. So like, um, did anybody here watch any of the Star Trek series? Like any, from any era? Okay, because I'm like slowly working my way through, like TNG and Deep Space Nine and Disco, like I'm slowly making my way. Anyway, William Shatner is in this poem, so uh, things to look forward to. Um, it's called Overview Effect, and Overview Effect is um, the phenomenon that uh, happens to astronauts when they leave Earth and um, look back at the planet. And this is just me making sure my screen stays on. Okay, um, Overview Effect. When I was a kid, soft-sided purple Velcro lunchbox and star-patterned leggings days, there was a countdown clock at the exit of the rainforest area in the Central Park Zoo. It was the number of acres of Amazon left, and it was endlessly ticking down. A demented New Year's Eve, a specific but far-off doom that now is here. Some terrible scientific math concludes that as of this year, the Amazon rainforest now emits more carbon than it absorbs. Too much of it has been raised and converted to soy and livestock, these lungs of the planet now foaming red. We've ruined it, and there was so much of it to ruin. It's the vastest of the crime, as well as the evil of it, which I'm not shocked by. It's Big beef and fast fashion and good old patriarchal capitalism. I know, I know. This summer, William Shatner went to space. Let's take as a given that I already think all commercial spaceflight is unjustifiable, though I haven't given up all hope in actual scientific exploration and discovery. William Shatner went to space, and all he felt was grief. The kind a kid feels when she realizes death is not only something that happens to her mother's friend with cancer, when she sees in red blinking flip dots the exact amount of earthly bounty there is left, that it is knifingly finite and decreasing every day. And it makes her think of her father, ironically, the way the harm never abated, the bullheadedness and blithe inability to say, I'm sorry I hurt you and mean it to say, I regret what I did, or I will do whatever I have to, to make it right. The rainforest can't send back performative, shitty birthday presents. The rainforest can't say, don't text me or call me anymore. The rainforest can't take comfort in knowing the beef ranchers don't have to be invited to its wedding. Can't feel the confidence of its choices, and even if it could, very little would be okay because there is still the cloud of smoke and ash and acres of charred, dead ground. Captain Kirk peers through the plexi and feels it, the shuddering in the lungs, because we are still the only inhabitable speck in the cold and dark, 
And it will never be okay that I don't know the feeling of a dad having my back. Never heard him say, you deserve better in any way I could have believed. You deserved better, orchids and jaguars and river dolphins and all you plants and bugs no human ever cataloged. Fungi and frogs and spider monkeys, capybaras, toucans and sloths. I'm a pointless person in a pointless era watching from the nosebleed seats while we wreck something that ought to have nourished us, that could have healed at any time if we had only heeded its cries. And even now I can barely hear my own voice force out, stop, enough, no. Thank you. Kiara DeLelo, game on. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Um, now I forgive you for not attending our ugly sweater party on Saturday. Dog bite was one thing, but uh, sort of a good excuse. <laughs> but maybe you were editing that poem. That was a great. Yeah, she doesn't care. <laughs> She's barely conscious. Uh, that was a great poem. Uh, man, it really William Shatner. Who knew William Shatner was like a vehicle for emotion? <laughs> I, I like, I like felt very deeply this, the sadness of the state of our planet just by thinking of William Shatner going up there and feeling nothing but grief. It's like, damn, yeah. Right, show of hands, how many of you know who William Shatner is? Oh, okay. So, because like no one said anything when she brought him up, I was like, are, are we that old? <laughs> Okay, well, that makes me feel better. Uh, yeah, poor, poor Will. <laughs> okay, uh, our next reader of the evening. Trying try to cheer myself up again. Think of our planet dying. Thanks, Kara. Uh, our next reader of the evening is Mark Weissman. Give it up for Mark. All right, thank you. Thanks, Kiara. That, that was a. I have another father-esque poem. No, no, William, no, William Shatner this time. Unfortunately, I have to go home and work on that poem. Anyway, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Danielle. Uh, to all the readers and listeners, thank you and thanks for this space. Um, this is called "Work of the Triangle." Work of the Triangle. Any way you look at it, the base, the arms, the clasped hands, we are family, our six eyes, our living field. Mama and I look past you, ahead, wide angle lens what you will be, astronaut or Chinese songwriter, neither likely, though reality is not geometry, Unless built or imagined, it is fraught and uncertain, we think, as we tap our new coats into our cart. Let a promise of not cold, ill, or impoverished be delivered. She and I don't do 180s. We play it straight past each other. As you contort attempts at splits, or balance by the neck on the sofa, a bad idea, we agree. 
But you will learn isosceles. You can still see the point, the axis of symmetry that once kept you clothed in school, in person that time, is not Euclidean. The theory of space is not the space we live in. We are fight or flight, and you must fly. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Arthur. Uh, I think that was the first triangle poem I've ever heard at the Yop. <laughs> that was pretty unique. I was, I was into it. Isosceles. I love that word, isosceles. Where the fuck does that word come from? <laughs> Is anyone, any etymology freaks in here? Someone's going to Google it. Uh, okay, uh, we are through 10 readers. Our next reader of the evening, number 11, is Lindsay Abrams. Give it up for Lindsay. Wearing the dress. This morning, it is Monday afternoon in Iran and women are burning their scarves blazing brilliant while this weekend in my city, some took to the streets against men in robes who'd like to see us reduced. And me, I only heard about it later. Traitor as I am to modern womanhood, I was at home polishing my vows. I was never the kind of girl who dreamed about her wedding day. Despite the inexplicable four-foot Barbie who stood dressed in a white frog gown in my childhood bedroom. I was more interested in playing school. She, my overdressed student teacher, lined up behind the baby dolls for picture day. I like to imagine she knew how to read. It's true that, at least once, I tried on her dress, and the tool itched and the elastic clung, and I'm sure my mother suppressed a grin and told me I was beautiful. We are nothing if not the product of our parents' best efforts, and my own efforts to resist these ideals into which I was raised seem small as Saturday, my wedding day, draws near. Yes, there is a dress. Although, like Joseph's coat, it is violet and scarlet and yellow and blue, yes, I admit I dream about it. Last month, I met one of those women who knows where to shop. Only a few years older, but seeming to have figured everything out. As if in only a few years, I too could have everything figured out. I charmed her into showing me her wedding photos, and she did, scoffing at her me-age self. What did I know? I think I was most excited to wear the dress. I did not say, I think I am most excited to wear the dress. <laughs> but the thing about that Barbie is though she was my least loved doll, she alone stood on her own two feet. Every day, her day, to be beautiful. Thank you, Lindsay. So much to like in that one. <laughs> one of those women who knew, <laughs> knew how to shop. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. Um, yeah. But it's an important skill, knowing, knowing how to shop, where to shop. I feel like I've, it took me like <laughs> fucking 35 years. You know? I think I am. You know? I'm proud to say I, like, I know how to shop now. and like, I'm a really good online shopper. 
And uh, my wife is not nearly as good. She struggles. <laughs> She'll buy shit and she's like, oh, this doesn't I gotta return it. I'm like, you never learned. <laughs> you gotta, it's, it's just, it takes fucking years of obsessive doing nothing. Like, why are you staring at all these websites? Well, eventually you learn how to shop. Anyway, wow, I'm just talking a lot about how good I am at shopping. Um, but uh, what was the other line in that? Scoffing at my me-age self. <laughs> what a great line. Uh, is Nico Bryan here? I don't think I saw Nico. Okay, we are on to our next reader wearing this amazing outfit right here, Hunter Hodkinson. <laughs> This poem is about my uh, best friend of six years who decided last month that she no longer wanted to be friends. Wow. I miss you, and I love you. So this poem is called Friendship is Like Playing the Piano. One, friendship is like playing the piano. You can never master it, and some are just better than others, and some try and try and try and still only have a few chords to show for it. But we're addicted to connection. We can't stop playing it because the song in our genetics screams, you need someone, you need someone, you need someone. God damn you herd mentality. Every day you strike us, depressed in the pastures of our bedsheets, lost and searching for our clan. One time I wanted to be friends with my coworker who was just so cool and so Bushwick. <laughs> so I played a little jingle, would you like to follow each other on Instagram? But after giving me the once over, she responded with her sad nail in the coffin note. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay, I'll admit being an only child made me shit at making friends. But really, no one, not a single buyer, then you came along. I despised your existence in high school. Little Miss Maria Callas, darling of the drama department, diva who spoke French unironically, <laughs> and drove a grandma car, who once Snapchatted me the most passive-aggressive shit I've ever heard because I missed rehearsal for High School Musical. You were just everything I hated in a person. From my peephole-sized view of your personality, you were this mess of notes, rests, and fucking fermatas that I had no hope of ever learning. But I did, somehow. In the clutter of your emotional wall of charades came crashing down a game I saw right through, a game that has no end, a game I know so well. Two, friendship is like playing the piano. The strings remember every finger that played their keys, every late night board game, every graduation party toilet, painted blue calypso vomit, every country road drive where cornfields for brief seconds were boundless torn patches of infinity out amongst the silent sleeping stalks, every FaceTime call where the distance was frivolous and I parted the curtains of my cracked iPhone 11 window and gave you a glimpse into my small New York, New York world. And you smiled the way I've prayed my mother would smile all these years, living my life, living my truth, living exactly the way I wanted. And I wonder if pianos know that one day, after being beaten on daily for years by dirty kid fingers, after being swapped, traded, and moved to that weird closet that not even the janitors go to, 
only to be used for occasional warm-up exercises during the school's 20th production of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that one day, out of tune, a tomb for every finger placed upon its faded white keys, that it knows once and for all it is truly and finally over with. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Thank you. What a beautiful poem, Hunter. Full of love and grief, man. Well, I don't think you, I don't think you need that, friend. Do you? <laughs> doesn't doesn't seem like it. What is that so surprising? This is a friend didn't want to be his friend anyway. Yeah, you don't need that person. Um. It was a thought that I had, but it's gone. <laughs> In any case, I think you're just great, Hunter. Uh, our next poet, who was up here earlier signing up, his name is Nick B. Give it up for Nick B. Thanks. I've never done anything like this before. Um, <laughs> The others who admitted that uh, inspired me to come up and read this. This is unfinished. It's a bit abstract. Let's see how it goes. It's called Opening Scene. A walk in city summer ends the week. Side streets curtained by an arbor shade. A step onto warming Maine. Places spotlit by sun. Roar, then hush. Stink, then sweet. Clarity, a flash, may have been, was it? Fading, glancing faces, cheery recognition, paused disquiet. Eager chatter this and that way, sounds clattering. Passing, passed, into the minds backstage. A market's occupants, work and a play. A play reminds me of a quiet space where furloughed players store attire. Worthless crowns and prismatic jewels, their glimmer hid in respite. The trunk of an ensemble waits for opening day. When eager adepts lift its top, the bygone chest coughs up dust. Sunbeams breathe breath of life, incarnate the motes, dancing, warm, aglow. Masks lay idle within. Lines last season spoke, dim as truths in the musty minds attended. The worldly cast dons their now imperfect fit. Worn out in season's heat, they wear us too. They mold us now as we once molded them, as we each play and fellow players watch. Forgetting that, we look away from the hem, looming fall, and fixate on the where and when, the curtain line, the end. We bare our neck and peer through life's lunette. But take stage and tell the story of the players once who broke through, abandoned character, burst into laughter, and shouting, fall, fell the fourth and final wall, 
The story, do you recall? The medium inverted, consumed itself at once, caught up in flame, the audience in silence, every prop and persona dissolving in a violence, collapsing, fire fueling, burning, bright, born, river rush, shaft of light, break of day, last lines flash in glancing street side faces and dreamlike fade away. Okay, thank you, Nick B. Uh, congratulations on sharing for the first time. Uh, I feel like this is the first time we've had, it seems like the majority of the readers have been Yop debuters, which is great. Uh, probably not since the first one. <laughs> As that happened in April of 2013. Uh, our next reader is no newbie to the Yop. Give it up for Arthur Russell. This is the best. This is the best thing in the world. You know, I first came to writing poetry when I first came to love. And so I've written a lot of poems about my father and my mother and my job and the end of the world and dying and grief and the house that I live in and marriage that I had that failed. But when I get the opportunity, and it comes around every now and again, to write a poem about love, or that originates in love, and that tries to communicate love, I'd grab it, you know? And so the other morning, uh, I got a text message when I came out of the gym at like six in the morning, and it was from my girlfriend, and she said that she'd been looking out the window of her apartment and saw this tree, and told me something about the tree. It was a silhouette, it was a dark thing. And, and she said that after she said these things about that tree that she felt like she was in some way that tree. So I'm sitting in my car next to the Passaic River and I wrote this as a text message to her. Of course, it's been revised 30 times since then. <laughs> so so <laughs> there's nothing, yeah, there's that. Anyway. She wrote to me that she felt like this bare tree silhouetted against a gray sky. So I wrote this poem back to her as a text. Dear bare tree silhouetted against a gray sky. That's the name. In the history of silhouettes, from cave drawings in the Pyrenees to Smith Brothers profiles, from cameo brooches of ladies with complex updos, to the exaggerated ears on caricatures of powerful men. From shadows left on standing walls by persons that the bomb erased to stick figure families on minivan windows, including sunset outlines poets cast on piers at city's edge. There is none whose twin or negative can rival yours. And when you stand between my kitchen and the morning sky, with your arms reaching upward, every which way rugged in your bones, armored in wrinkles, solitary in life's stew, insisting on sky. I will camp between the ballet-footed roots that arch into the earth, 
and live as the mosses do, somber, green, and patient in your forest of one. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope she liked that text message. Watch it. <laughs> I don't know what the first draft was like. But, uh, why don't you ever text me like that, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, in fact, why don't all of you text me like you all have? You all have our number. I just threw that pen on the floor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can vote for Poem of the Month, or you could just text me a love poem, and then maybe you'll just win, because you did that. Our next reader, we have it, I think we got, we got two left. This is, this is amazing. I feel like I'm, that's my pen. I bought that. It's like a fake fountain pen that I bought on Amazon, just to put in this little thing here. And, uh, I thought all the poets would use it to sign in, and that, they'd like, that happened for like one reader at the grand opening and then, and then people stopped. I'm like, I, I guess that's not going to be a thing. <laughs> Got this fake fountain pen. That's great. It's basically uh, just like a prop. And every now and then somebody knocks it on the stage. Okay, we've got two readers left. Incredibly. Uh, unless Elia Osmanova is here, I don't think I saw her. So we do have two readers left. Our next reader, our penultimate poet, Sarah Lynn Rogers. What's up? Make some noise if you love writing about yeah! families. They're so tricky, right? Uh, this poem is called Queen of Wands for one of my favorite tarot cards. She's the witchiest queen. She has a black cat. She's awesome. Okay. <laughs> queen of Wands. In Florence, in our line somewhere, a strega. Which, maybe she didn't exist, though I want to believe. She could spirit away a wart on the hand with an old rag and a whisper, conduct power through electric palms, but maybe not. Somehow the cattails always flick. We argue over photo, sorry, we argue over photos, lineage, which stories linger. Seventh daughter of the seventh sister, Seventh sister of the seventh daughter, who remembers? Does it matter? As though everyone else and birth order made her? Maybe they made her make her. Firstborn daughter of the firstborn daughter of the firstborn daughter. What does this placement mean under this sign? On this auspicious day? In this economy? <laughs> this house? Someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone. Thank you. Okay. Amazing. We have heard a lot of amazing poems about families tonight. Um, I want to thank Derek for setting the tone with that beautiful poem about his father. Uh, yeah, let's give Derek another round of applause. Uh, we've got one final reader, 
she wasn't sure if she was going to read tonight. Uh, I want to thank her personally for doing such a great job at the gala yesterday. If you were here, she got all these amazing flowers, which you're all benefiting from tonight. She did it. She did it in like 20 minutes right before the gala started. <laughs> Give it up for Jess Gagne. <laughs> I said, I clapped for you all the way until you made it up to the stage. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I've never read from my phone before, so I'm nervous about it. I usually have it written down, but I wasn't sure what, um, if I was going to read. And then um, this poem has like three different middles and endings, um, but I've been trying to write a poem about David Duchovny for like 10 years, <laughs> so I decided to read that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next to your memory, held up in the light, everyone disgusts me, even you. I never had to tell you I love surprises. You just lied to please me, led me through the trees and helped me tie the ice skates, bought me a pack of white balloons we could pop between parts of our naked bodies with our eyes closed to add suspense. And I loved the idea of them so much, I moved them unopened to each new purse until we broke up. When I say I miss you, what I really miss is knowing just what I want. I overflow with this lacking longing every day and needing a distraction, I start watching X-Files again from the beginning. <laughs> it's been a long time and I drink whiskey and cross my fingers for dreams of David Duchovny circa 1998, deliciously impossible because time travel does not yet exist, but I want to believe. <laughs> it literally says a section here about the episode Triangle. Thank God we never watched X-Files together when we were broken up, so I like to pretend you wouldn't understand. In fact, the salty slosh of what you do not know about me could satisfy every dry canyon on Earth, erasing emptiness forever. In fact, next to your memory, held up against the light, everyone disgusts me, even you. Wow, thank you, Jess. That's true. <laughs> I was just thinking we had Will Shatner and David Duchovny in, in one night of poetry. That is difficult to achieve. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kiara and uh, Jess, for bringing those, those, beautiful, those beautiful men to our consciousnesses. Uh, yeah, how many of you watched that show, Californication, that Duchovny did later? I just remember a, a bad time in my single life in Brooklyn where I was watching a lot of that show <laughs> and just feeling like, this is terrible. My life has hit a real nadir. <laughs> David Duchovny in Californication. Uh, okay, that is it. Incredibly, uh, I'm really excited to get home early tonight, so <laughs> thank you to all the people that did not show up. I mean, I love your poetry, but I'm not unhappy that we're going to get out here early. So I'm going to go backwards through the list. Again, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. This is the first slot in our 2023 Yacht Poem of the Year bracket or cycle, if you prefer that word. Uh, we just heard from Jess Gagne. Uh, before that was Sarah Lynn Rogers, Arthur Russell, Nick B., Hunter Hodkinson, Lindsay Abrams, Mark Weissman, Kiara DeLalo, Julie Hoffman, Hayden Park, Ashley Gendron, Han Boomenlag. Did I get your last name right? Is it Boomenlag? Okay, Han Boomenlag, Colleen Riley, Stella Lee, who departed, Luis Valles, 
and yeah, she didn't depart, depart. She just left the room. Uh, Luis Valles and Derek stays all the way back to the beginning. Uh, so hopefully you were taking notes, as I'm sure you were, <laughs> like good listeners, about uh, whose poems you liked the most. Maybe you had a little list, a ranking going on. Um, again, poem of the month, 718-374-1953. You can just text me the poet's name, and that will suffice. Uh, we usually announce the winner uh, a few days after. <laughs> it's usually on Thursday. La- last month it was a, a rarity because we had to know the winner very quickly, so I notified the winner that night. It usually doesn't happen that quickly. So uh, definitely by Thursday, maybe by Wednesday, uh, but I'm exhausted, so it's probably going to be Thursday. Uh, yes, and the podcast uh, will come out usually a couple weeks. It's usually two weeks after the Yop, uh, the Yopcast, so if you want to subscribe to that, um, tomorrow I'm going to work on the Yop Home of the Year podcast, so that will be fun. That will come out uh, this week. Uh, again, Wednesday, Amakojo will be here. Books are magic. We love them. They're going to be here in force. Uh, it's an amazing reading. I told you, like, all the tickets were gone, and then someone messaged me on Instagram said they got tickets. I'm not sure how they got tickets, but maybe they just like had a friend that had a ticket. I don't know, but uh, I don't, who knows? Maybe some tickets came became available. Uh, it is our holiday swag sale until December 17th. In fact, this is the last week we are open for regular business hours. Uh, t- tomorrow's Tuesday, right? Yes, Tuesday. Uh, the last week of uh, drop-in classes, including Danielle Gasparro's, which is this Saturday. Let's give her one more round of applause. Yeah! Thank you for leading a great workshop tonight. Uh, if you don't know about the drop-ins, uh, Tuesday we don't have any because uh, Taylor Molly's Metaphor Dice is off because I think he's already like on vacay or something. But uh, Wednesday, Poetry Buffet with Jess Greenbaum, who is amazing, 11 a.m. to 12. And Tony Lombardi, is who led a yop a couple months ago, is leading his uh, Dreams Workshop. Uh, that's been bi-weekly, but luckily this week <laughs> is one of those bi-weeks. Uh, and then Thursday, Kyle Leung is leading his Roadmaps and Dreams and Preservation Workshop. I think that's what it is. Poetry, Roadmaps, and Preservation, I think, is a title. Uh, Kyle also led a YOP this fall. Friday, Lunch Poems with Nicole Callahan, 12 to 11, 5 to 6, Poetry Happy Hour with yours truly. That's the best one because you get wine included. You may not know that, but you get complimentary wine. Uh, and then Danielle Gasparo on Saturday. That's really the best one. Demystifying poetic form. That's good. That's a good way to think of it. <laughs> Definitely a good way to think of it. Uh, but this is the last week we're open. We're going to be closed for the last two weeks of December, although I am thinking of opening maybe for like two days next week in case anyone wants to do some last-minute holiday shopping. This doesn't really seem like the place where people do last-minute holiday shopping, but who knows? Because uh, I keep announcing this 20% off sale, and some people are buying, but it's mostly online. So uh, if you want to get some holiday gear, 20% off all the T-shirts, sweatshirts, and onesies. We've sold very few onesies. I had to have... Yeah. I had to have a child to make a onesie for Brooklyn Poets. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and very few people have bought these onesies. Uh, yes, but and then the first week of January, I think, will also be closed. But we will be back. What is this yop in January? Is it January 9th, Arthur? I can already see. I can already see you're looking it up for me. Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's January 9th. Yes, the second Monday. January 9th. So that, uh, if we stay true to my word, and we are closed for the last two weeks of December, first week of January. We will reopen to big effect, incredible fanfare with everyone's New Year's resolutions. All the writers are back in business. That always happens in January. January 9th, John Sands. 
It's an amazing poet and reader. Uh, if you were here for the Jose Olivares event, he was uh, kicking that off. He's going to be leading that yop. And uh, if you haven't heard John Sands read, he's an amazing, amazing reader. And he's a great, just a really charismatic person. So I'm sure that workshop is going to be incredible. Um, January 9th, you can get tickets starting at 930. Do you have a hand up? <laughs> yes. That's true. <laughs> Just listen to the man. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I would tell you. It's, yeah. <laughs> this month is a rarity. Arthur is right. It's usually sold out. In fact, it's been sold out in advance every month that we've opened since July. So, yeah, it's this is absolutely not... A common thing, open spots. So uh, 9.30, the tickets go on sale for that January 9th one, and uh, there are 10 reserved open mic spots, so you can get one of those 10 tickets, and you don't have to sign up at the door, and you can just roll in whenever you want. Okay, uh, I am good. I am done. I am ready to eat. Some. I haven't, I don't realize, I don't think I've eaten a meal today since my toast at 9 a.m. <laughs> so I'm ready to eat. Uh, thanks for coming. We'll see you in January. Alrighty, the final yop and final yopcast of the year. What a year 2022 has been. I am uh, glad to see it completing itself. Uh, a lot of amazing things happened, including the birth of my daughter Zoe and the birth of the first Brooklyn Poets brick and mortar space at 144 Montague Street. But Damn, was that a lot of work and a lot of stress. So I'm uh, ready to turn the page. Uh, thanks to our amazing teacher and friend, Danielle Gasparo, for leading the last YOP workshop of the year and featuring at the start of the open mic. Danielle did an amazing job with her demystifying poetic form drop-in class every Saturday at 11 a.m. at 144 Montague Street this fall. It's gonna be unveiling a new drop-in at the start of the new year, and that is a good segue to let you all know, all of you who are listening to this before New Year's Eve, that our new workshops will drop on New Year's Day, Sunday, January 1st. So if you are not subscribed to our newsletter and don't follow us on social media, not sure how you could be listening to this podcast if you don't do either of those things, but maybe it's possible, uh, you should definitely subscribe and or follow us on social media to get the announcement announcement about the new workshops and the new drop-in classes uh all of those will go live on our website on january 1st but we'll be plugging the workshops on january 1st and then the drop-in classes on january 3rd and uh, one new wrinkle this year with the drop-ins is that we're going to be offering them in person at 144 montague street but also online only via zoom uh, and there are going to be a few more dropping classes. And one different thing we're going to do is that we're going to run them for about eight weeks. And then we're going to switch to a brand new theme, possibly a few new teachers, maybe mix up the rotation depending on who's available and whatnot. Congrats to longtime Yopper and my local poet friend in Beacon, New York, Kiara DeLelo, who uh, just moved up to Beacon a couple of months ago. Uh, with their partner and dog and uh, they're settling in nicely in town but Kiara 
happily still makes the trip to Brooklyn for the op and uh, really had a fantastic poem and performance. Really made me see the world differently through the eyes and voice of William Shatner. Uh, congrats to Kiara for winning Poem of the Month for her poem, Overview Effect. Kiara has won the first slot in our 2023 Yacht Poem of the Year contest bracket. And that contest is several months away, but you might as well begin planning early December. We'll host that contest again at 144 Montague. It was an amazing contest this year, and uh, I'm sure some of you have listened to the bonus Yopcast of that event. That's all I've got. I'm ready to go back to uh, happily doing nothing, which I've been doing for just a few days here uh, during Christmas time, and uh, looking forward to New Year's Eve and New Year's Day this weekend with my family from Brazil. The whole Farina family is staying with us in Beacon, and it's been pretty great. Okay, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes, we hope you do that. We love a few more five-star ratings on iTunes, so uh, if you haven't done that yet, please do. It helps more listeners find these poets, uh, which is the most important thing, obviously. It's the whole reason that we put together this podcast every month. Okay, thanks for listening. We hope to see you at the next Yop, which I should tell you is on January 9th, led by John Sands. That will be at 144 Montague Street and live stream via Zoom. Start time of 6.30. Doors will open at 144 Montague at 6 p.m. And that, incidentally, is when we'll be reopening the space to the public. We are closed now. Thank you. Goodbye.